Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Of course, is rap music, which I've never, never understood a word that they said. So I get the point tonight. All the glory belongs to you. Can you believe that tonight? Thank God. Thank you, Pastor Campbell. Uh, Chandler congregation and ministries from here. I want to minister tonight. The book of John, chapter 1, if you will, uh, if you'll turn there, I want to uh, minister for a little while. John's gospel, chapter 1, and uh, this is called the epilogue. It's a very interesting uh, passage of scripture, and I got inspired about this. So at breakfast the other morning, as one of the disciples uh, said to me, he said, Pastor Mitchell, when, uh, is it all right to, uh, when is it all right to preach a textual sermon rather than an expository? And, uh, and uh, you know, when, when is it okay to, to divert that? So tonight if you're a disciple and you're wanting to learn how to preach, this is not good exegesis tonight. It is, uh, this is a blunderbuss sermon. I'm sticking rocks and murals and BBs in here. Quit <laughs> blowing us up the whole thing. So, <laughs> so this is not good, uh, good practice, but uh, I'm going to preach on this anyway. Russia, uh, Greg and I were there last year, and uh, during the service they called us to pray for a man. And uh, this man was an, a drug addict uh, because uh, Brother Sergei is reaching a large number of drug addicts there. Wonderful blessing. And... This man had been taking crocodile, that's what they call it, a homemade brew of uh, drugs. I don't know what all's in it, Drano, gasoline, you know, lye, who knows what all's in it. But uh, it's a, it is a, a, a bootleg uh, uh, meth, and uh, it's affecting, it eats from the inside out. And this man's jawbone had been eaten away, had a large bandage on his jaw. And I was pondering that as I was thinking about this uh, sermon tonight. Why would someone deliberately take a self-destructive substance that is going to eat their body from inside just simply to get a high? And that is the mystery to me. It's the same reason that young people sniff gasoline. It is the same reason that individuals, even in churches, take prescription pills that they don't need simply to get a high out of that. Why do people sniff glue? The reason is to escape themselves. That's the issue, to escape themselves And crystal meth, heroin, alcohol, all of these fit into this category. And I want to preach this evening on a subject entitled Escaping 
yourself. I'm going to read a uh, long passage of scripture. And this is why I said this is not expository, but truth is in what I'm going to say. John's Gospel, chapter 1, Escaping Yourself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him or he has made him known. Escaping yourself. So let's ponder for a moment as Brother uh, Romero mentioned this morning the Time uh, magazine article on the narcissistic generation. Very important that you understand that because uh, Narcissus is a figure of Greek legend. And the Greek legend says he was passing by, by and he leaned over into a clear pool of water, saw his reflection, and he was so taken by his own reflection that he kept staring at his own reflection until he was turned into a beautiful flower. That's the legend from Greek mythology of Narcissus, uh, and uh, this has been used to describe the millennials uh, that Brother Romero talked about this morning. The millennials, depending on uh, who you're talking to, are the people born from 1980 to 2000, and uh, a social observation has made that label upon them. And this generation is self-focused to the degree of negativity. Verse 14 talks about we. And I want to uh, focus on that for a moment because this is the issue tonight is I've announced my uh, text and where I'm going escaping from yourself. So this is an all-inclusive word. Every one of us sitting here in this, uh, not they out there, we in here is who we want to talk about tonight. Uh, and technology has added a dimension to this uh, uh, this uh, tendency of self-obsession, uh, and uh, it has made very serious this issue of selfishness. One author says technology has only exacerbated or made more serious uh, 
Whereas in the 1950s families, they displayed a wedding photo and maybe a military photo uh, in their homes, uh, the average middle-class family today uh, walks among 85 pictures of themselves and their pets. <laughs> well, uh, in other words, this has come of age. Self-gratification has come of age uh, in this generation, and technology uh, has greatly added the ability to become self-obsessed and to focus upon their self because uh, people are uh, recording their daily steps on Tidbill and every hour of every day on Place Me Gente and 23andMe. These are all websites uh, uh, that are there to serve uh, this self-seeking, self-gratifying spirit uh, and there are many symptoms of that. There actually is a a magazine published today, and the title of that magazine is Self. Now, uh, it's self-explanatory. Can you say amen? (laughs) So what happens is uh, this dimension drives everything from clothing to uh, self-obsession about one's looks uh, to plastic surgery to bodybuilding, you know, it's interesting, bodybuilders go into exercise rooms, you know, and they're, they all got mirrors, you know, yeah. That's it. It's another symptom of self-obsession and, uh, and uh, uh, tattoos, you know. If you've got tattoos, don't, me, don't give me the mean eye this, this evening. Uh, I understand, but if you're going to get a tattoo, then you've got a problem with me. So there's the difference. You've got a tattoo, God bless you, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll forgive you that. But if you go out now and get one, I'm not too sure about where grace extends to that. <laughs> so here we have books. So here we have books, and uh, books have been written. Actually, a title of a book uh, is, uh, the title of this book is, When You Love a Man Who Loves Himself. I'm sure that there's ladies sitting here this morning, this evening, that uh, they think that's your husband. uh, These reality TV shows exist for this very dimension that I'm talking about tonight because they're there because people are self-obsessed and they exist because of that documentation of narcissism in the human personality. And what's involved is an inflated self-esteem. Very fitting song that Josh and Brother Wolf sang tonight. To you be the glory. Can you say amen? That's what it's all about. Can you say amen? That's what it's all about. But this inflated self-esteem is contrary to Bible teaching in the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 5. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 says, Yet it shall not be so among you, But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So here we have now inevitable consequences of this self-obsession and this self-centered lifestyle and some shocking statistics that come out. Do you know that in the United States of America that there 
only exceeds the suicide rates by people who are, who are killed in car wrecks. That is, uh, that's the only thing that exceeds uh, the suicide rate uh, uh, in America is people who are killed in a car wreck. In Australia, as we are in this building, this is the major uh, number one killer of young people, 18 to 24 years old. Now think about that. Here you're 18 years old. When you're 18, I mean, you think that, uh, that uh, you'll live forever. You know, the juices are flowing and you've got your strength. Uh, and can you imagine now a young person that is so uh, dissatisfied with themselves, so dissatisfied with life, uh, that they take their own life at the very point when they can launch into a fruitful, powerful life uh, and they take their own life. Uh, and this is the ultimate escape uh, because uh, they can no longer face themselves. Uh, and so the ultimate self-gratification uh, is suicide. Uh, and this is brought about by a mental and spiritual imbalance uh, of self-love. In the text that we read in the scripture, in verse 5, it talks about darkness. Now, darkness is, in the scripture, very well founded as a life without God. And this is well documented in the scripture, in uh, uh, the book of Romans, chapter 1, and uh, verse 21 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, uh, and their foolish hearts... Uh, were darkened. In the book of Genesis, is Genesis chapter 1, when it begins to spell out the chaos uh, that is upon the earth, said uh, uh, that uh, uh, the, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the deep. When Jesus begins to talk about hell, one of the figures that he uses uh, is the cast out into outer darkness, uh, and he describes that as hell. When the Apostle Paul is beginning to describe the debased mind in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, and this debased mind, he uses this word darkness. And so this is a life where God is not in control and God does not take up residence and begin to rule and reign. There's a task, and that task that people have is to begin to understand uh, this business of self-destructive, trying to escape themselves, uh, and try to escape this face-to-face -face involvement with human beings. Uh, more and more, as uh, people have their toys to play with, uh, and they're playing with their mouse all the time, and they've got their iPhone, and they've got their iPad, and they've got their uh, computer, and they've got, they're, they're escaping from the reality of beginning to, to interrelate uh, with human beings. Uh, and uh, this, has been, uh, this has been documented, uh, and it's an in, uh, there's an illability is being, uh, uh, is being developed uh, uh, to express empathy, which is uh, 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 caring for other people. One, uh, uh, one uh, quote says, scores of tests of empathy similarly fell sharply starting in 2000, likely because of both a lack of face-to-face -face, uh, time uh, and higher degrees uh, of narcissism. Uh, and uh, this empathy is the action uh, of uh, understanding or being aware or sensitive to the feelings of thoughts and experiences of others uh, and it's becoming a major problem. We have, uh, as a result of that, and one of the uh, one of the offshoots of that, uh, uh, entitlement phenomena. 
The entitlement phenomena is very prominent in our, in our generation, and especially with these who are the millennials, who have a feeling that they were born into the world to be served by all of humanity and eternity by God, and it's entitlement. It means that you owe me. This entitlement generation began to demonstrate last year and the year before on, on Occupy Wall Street. You know, Occupy Wall Street and the entitlement phenomena is, is a dimension. Just put it in a nutshell, it means that, that I've earned money. I have money. They haven't earned money, don't intend to earn any, and they want my money, and so they want to occupy till they get my money by occupying and, and, and boycotting. And so that's what Wall Street, uh, Occupy Wall Street's all about. That's the mentality uh, of this generation uh, of the entitlement uh, generation. They're raised in schools on the curve grading. The curve grading was, uh, was invented to be able to allow students to skate through school without learning anything so that they're graded on the curve and uh, the idea is no one can fail and uh, this also plays out into sports uh, and in sports today is no longer a contest of who's going to win in school. Everybody gets a trophy. Can you say amen? Well, I want to tell you something. One day you'll be launched into the real world. And when you're launched, can you say amen? When you're launched into the real world, suddenly the chickens come home to roost and you're going to be put into a tail spin and you're going to understand that money is not a gift, it's something that you earn. What a, what a fantastic dimension that is. You mean I have to earn money? That's, what, that's exactly what it's all about. And the greatest gift that you'll ever give to your children is let them understand money, something you earn, is not a gift. Now, the whole world now is being swept with this uh, entitlement mentality, which is self-obsession and uh, the life that without the centering of God, and uh, we have uh, Europe that uh, has gripped with, a, gripped with a bailout mentality. They have in Europe what they call pigs, P-I-G-S. This is Portugal, Italy, uh, Greece and Spain. All of these are bankrupt. They've spent more. When, you, when your income is less than your outgo, your upkeep is going to be your downfall. I don't care if you're a nation or an individual. Can you say amen? And nobody's going to come and bail you out in life. Life brings its own rewards. They call those nations pigs, P-I-G-S, Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Spain. All have embraced and they're bankrupt along with Detroit. When God is not at the center of your life, the inevitable or inescapable consequences begin to churn out in your personality. It has to do with the practical affairs of life and also with the spiritual dimensions. And this brings us now to the text we have, the revelation that satisfies. You have to face reality in life. And the reality in life is the great curse of sin. Selfishness has resulted in the disobedience, beginning with the book of Genesis in our forefathers, Adam and Eve, sin. Sin is not just a stumbling. Sin is not just a mistake. Sin is that horrible disobedience to God 
who rules the universe can you say amen and sin the wages of sin is death and the bible says that that curse of sin has gripped humanity and the bible documents that in romans 3:23 all have sinned and come short of the glory of god and it spells it out very clearly and ephesians 2 1 and 2 says and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, uh, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works, uh, now works, uh, in the sons uh, of disobedience. Uh, That's sin. Only one cure for sin, and that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In verse 11 it says, uh, that receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior is the only solution. Listen to verses 11 and 12 of that text. He, Jesus, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. This is not a mental ascent. This is a heart perception of who Jesus Christ is, the very Son, the only begotten Son of the living God, who went to Calvary's tree, shed his blood for your sins, was buried and raised from the dead the third day and ascended up into heaven and is coming back again to judge the world. And that's the story of receiving Jesus Christ. And what we have here then to consider is an escaping from yourself. I talked in an earlier sermon here about guilt. Guilt is a natural consequence of sin. I remember an article that I read one time. A uh, college student came to her counselor, and she said to her counselor, can you explain to me why do I feel guilty about sleeping with my boyfriend? He says, you feel guilty because you are guilty. Now, that's a novel concept, isn't it? Guilt is the natural consequence of having sinned against God. God has created you with a conscience. That conscience automatically knows right from wrong. And that conscience is, some have described, as our self-testimony. We know when we have done wrong But we can't just brush that off and say, oh, well, you know, uh, that's the way everybody's doing it. No, you can't get rid of sin that way. Guilt must be atoned for. God has created us with such a personality uh, that guilt must be atoned for. You either will find God's atonement, which is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, or you will create your own atonement. You will begin to atone for that yourself because you know that you deserve punishment and so guilt comes upon you and it will sometimes produce disease in your body. If you've ever been one of my most crusades, you understand why I lead people to the statement, I forgive those that have sinned against me because that's one of the major problems of not getting healed. And uh, either it'll do that or it'll create a mental instability. uh, And uh, many people are dingy as an outhouse rat because they're filled with guilt. And they've tried by some other means uh, to do that. But you internalize that if you do not find God's uh, atonement and God's forgiveness. uh, And this begins to compute out because this is what guilt is. uh, 
And in John 1.13, gives us these tremendous statements. When you do that to turn to Jesus Christ, you are born of God, not of blood. You're born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but you are born of God. Romans 5.11 says, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom... We have now received the atonement or the sacrifice uh, that satisfies uh, our sin, uh, Romans 5.11. So every human need is satisfied in Jesus Christ. Every human need. The problem that we have today is many people are religious. They may have a Bible. They may go to some kind of services or attend some kind of, of, of church uh, but they have never been born of God. 25, 30 years ago, I began to see something very interesting. People from denominations would come in, Baptist, or, or that I assumed it would be gospel preaching. I'd give an altar call, up goes their hand. I'd say, what are they preaching there? It mystified me. And I began to understand that there's no call for repentance. It's just simply a mental Ascent. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. You're saved. You know, no. no, I'm sorry. The very first words of John the Baptist and Jesus were, repent. Can you say amen? Repent. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14 and 16, says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and of his fullness we've all received, and grace for, for grace. There was a woman at the well, John's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus said to this desperate woman, abused by men, used and cast aside and shacking up with number six. He said to her, if you drink of the water I give you, you will never thirst again. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. To the religious crowd, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. That is a Powerful, powerful statement. We have a young Indian uh, man in our congregation, and uh, he uh, told me last week, I think it was, he said, Pastor Mitchell, I had a dream about you. I said, I hope it was good. <laughs> he said, I don't understand it. He said, I had a piece of bread, and you were spreading peanut butter on it. I said, I'm waiting for the punchline. There is none. He's, he, he's wanting me to give an interpretation of that. So... Now, I'm not sure if that meant that I'm not feeding the flock. <laughs> but at any rate, he wanted me to know that he had that dream, and so I trust God's taking that and feeding his soul uh, with the bread of life. To the storm-tossed crowd, the person who's caught in the storms of life, Hebrews, Paul says, there's an anchor of the soul. Oh, thank God. 
Thank God. I want to tell you, we live in stormy times. Can you say amen? We live in uncertain times when financial collapse uh, is perhaps before us, uh, when our government is out of control, when international affairs threaten every one of us sitting here. And, uh, but I want to tell you, there is an anchor of the soul, the Apostle Paul said, and his name is Jesus Christ, uh, who has ascended into heaven. Uh, can you say amen? And when the stormy winds blow, you can be assured that Jesus, the forerunner, has entered into us beyond the veil, the anchor of the soul. And here we have the news that here's the light of the world. I talked about darkness. Darkness is a horrible thing. There are people sitting here this evening, some of you religious, you claim to have light but you're bound by darkness. When you are bound by sin, you're bound by darkness. When you're bound by habit, you're bound by darkness. Can you say amen? And that darkness, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.21, that darkness is a degrading of the soul and the heart, the degrading of the glorious uh, creation of God in human beings. Uh, and that darkness rules your life. And unless the light of God comes in, your future it's going to be very dim. And Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that believes in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Finally tonight, in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we have a wonderful statement. That statement is, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I talked about escaping yourself. If you're going to escape yourself tonight, it's going to take a miracle because you can't do that by a shift of your mind. You're going to do that by some kind of religious uh, uh, involvement or activity. It's going to be a miracle of God, and that's only coming by Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And Paul writes here and says, uh, now the Lord is that spirit. He's the one that can break the chains of drug addiction. He's the one that can break the chains of immorality and uncleanness and pornography. The curse of our generation is pornography. He's the one that can break the curse of hatred and bitterness and guilt and shame. But the Bible says the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And then he adds this tremendous statement, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about uh, songs that we used to sing when uh, I was a new convert. And uh, remembering those choruses were very simple. They were not complicated. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Isn't that a profound statement? The simplicity of understanding. The wonder of the love of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus. Oh, how sweet the name. 
Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all saints proclaim that worthy name forever. Now, tonight we're in church, and it may surprise you that church is not about meeting your needs. He does meet your needs. That's not what church is all about. They have whole movements that they're needs-based ministries. We have whole emphasis that are focusing on you. That's what the problem is already, is you've been gazing into the water, so obsessed with yourself, and that's not what church is all about. And though God does meet needs, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. Can you say amen? And this scripture says, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and of truth. Darkness can only be overcome tonight with Jesus Christ. And you're opening your heart to allow him to be Lord of lords and King of kings. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.